I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Sorry for the little technical glitch there at the beginning. I've got butt fingers pressing all sorts of buttons. Don't know what I'm playing at. I uh, hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Welcome along to the show. Hope you're good. Hope you're enjoying this Tuesday afternoon. Mondays and Tuesdays are always better after Arsenal win on a Sunday. And the same can be said for Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, right up until we play again. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Uh, as I say, thank you so, so much for joining me. We're going to get into a few bits and pieces today. We're going to talk a few different subjects. We're going to be talking uh, Moises Caicedo uh, after reports emerged that Arsenal were one of a number of clubs actually interested in uh, Moises Caicedo. Uh, we'll be talking about the signing of Jakub Kivior after that was announced yesterday. Uh, we'll be talking Ivan Fresneda as well, the Spanish fullback. We'll be talking Granite Xhaka and we'll be talking Mikel Arteta. So plenty to get our teeth into on this edition of the show. But I'm going to start off, as always, by saying a few hellos. Bear with me a second. Give me one second. There we go. So I'm in this really weird place at the moment. We'll, we'll come on to the hellos in just a second. You're probably wondering, what is he leaning over? What is he bloody doing? So it's bloody freezing in London, OK? And I've got this problem now where... I can't seem to get the temperature right in this room. If I leave the heating on from the morning, by the time I come in here to do some work, it is too bloody hot. But if I turn it off, this room isn't very good at keeping the heat. So I'm, I come in here and I'm baking hot. I go outside, I'm freezing. I come back in, I'm baking hot again. I guess this is how people get ill, isn't it? So yeah, I probably need to do something about that. But yeah, anyway, if you're wondering what I was doing, I just came... Uh, this this hot flush just came over me, so I ended up turning off the heating. Uh, and uh, yeah, anyway, we'll focus on the show now after a series of distractions at the start. How very unprofessional of me. Uh, I hope you can all forgive me. Uh, welcome along to the live show, uh, Matt, uh, DJD, uh, George Davis, who said, uh, Harry, surprise us with an on-time start. And my reply was, no chance, George. <laughs> Uh, big hello to Moss, uh, who says, uh, yes, Chroniclers, Arsenal life is brilliant this season. Time to make some history. Cannot wait for Friday. Of course, Arsenal travelled to Manchester to take on Manchester City in the FA Cup. Uh, give us a shout if you'll be there. I'll be there covering uh, the game. I'll be doing the build-up from the Etihad for BBC Radio London. Uh, very much looking forward to making that trip up to Manchester. Hopefully the result is one that we can be pleased with. Do you know what? I'm not even bothered about whether Arsenal progress in the FA Cup or not, if I'm being completely honest with you. It's a competition that always meant so much to me. It's a competition that I always loved. It's a competition that, um, you know, as as Arsenal fans, it is obviously very... Uh, I don't know what the right word is here. It's, it's, it's very close to our hearts, I guess. But this season, the priorities are different. This season, we're in the running for, for bigger and better things, you have to say. It doesn't offer us a route back into the Champions League, as we've discussed in the past, um, whereas the Europa League and the Premier League both do that. So it's only natural that it falls kind of down the peck in order for us uh, as Arsenal fans this time around when it comes to our priorities. But um, you don't want to go to Manchester City. You don't want to go to the side that we are probably going to be fighting with until the death for the Premier League title and get beaten heavily, because I think psychologically... 
that will have an impact. And um, yeah, people will say, you know, it's um, it will probably be a different Arsenal team that plays on Friday in comparison to the one that Mikel Arteta will select when the two sides meet in the league. But for me, I still think that there is something in that psychologically. If you go to the Etihad and you get beaten by four or five, which if Arsenal make wholesale changes can very easily happen, then that might have a knock-on effect. So we'll come on to discuss that in a lot more detail, of course, a little bit later on in the week when we preview the game. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to the game on Thursday. And I'm delighted to say that Nicole Holiday, uh, presenter of The Breakdown over at Arsenal, uh, will be with me in the studio for that show. So looking forward to getting Nicole's thoughts on the season so far, on the transfer window as it draws towards its close, and uh, and her thoughts, of course, on the game uh, coming up on Friday night. Uh, what else have we got? Um Lots of you excited by the prospect of Moises Caicedo. We'll get into what I actually think is going to happen with that and, and what the actual line is at the moment. Don't get excited. Don't get carried away at this point. There isn't anything that, to suggest that a deal for Moises Caicedo is imminent. So let's get that out there. Watch the numbers of people on the stream now just drop. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit of detail. Uh, Bad Boy says, hi, Harry. Great spot on Sky Sports, mate. Uh, Graham says, great appearance on Sky Sports News today. Thank you so, so much. Um, really, really appreciate it. Um, was invited on this morning to talk uh, a little bit about Arsenal's transfer window so far and their title hopes, which is, or title chances, which is something that seems to be thrown at me like three, four times a day at the moment. But yeah, um, really, really uh, appreciate uh, them inviting me on. Really enjoyed the little section. And if you want to check it out, I thought about running it in this video, but then I thought about the the copyright stuff. Um, you know, is that allowed on YouTube? Will my video get struck off? I don't know. So I decided against that. But if you do want to watch uh, the clip, you can go on my Twitter at Harry Simiu, or you can go on my Instagram, Harry underscore Simiu, and you can watch the clip in full there. Uh, what else have we got? I said that don't get excited about Moises Caicedo and Damien says, yet you put it in your headline uh, like a clickbait. Well, I think that's pretty much what every YouTuber in the world does, Damien. You put a headline uh, that you think is going to, you know, attract people's interest. That's how it works. Um, you're not going to title it. Harry was leaning over to turn off his heater in the middle of the show. That's not really going to attract people. But I don't say that Arsenal are close to signing him. I don't say anything like that. I literally explain what the report is is uh, is highlighting at the moment. But as I say, we're going to get into that in just a second. If I could quickly um, ask, uh, do you mind leaving a like on the video? That really, really does help. And if you could subscribe to the channel as well, that would be uh, very, very much appreciated. We're not a million miles away now from uh, 26,000. I think we're just over 100 away. So if we could get there in the next couple of weeks, that would be amazing. So, um, yeah, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Leave a like on the video uh, as well. And if you're listening on any audio platform, then please do leave us a review as well. Very, very much appreciated. OK, let's get into it then. Let's talk Moises Caicedo. Uh, according to reports, Arsenal are one of a number of clubs interested in the Brighton midfielder. Fabrizio Romano uh, went with that line, as have a number of others, uh, which suggests that there might be something in this. Arsenal asking to be kept informed of Moises Caicedo's situation. It doesn't mean that Arsenal are on the verge of signing the player, let's be honest. You know, we've got to be uh, clear about that. But I think he's a player that a lot of Arsenal fans actually would, would welcome to the club. We know that Liverpool um, 
you know, have been interested in him. We know that Chelsea have shown an interest in him. We know that Brighton would be demanding a, a vast amount of money if they were going to allow this player to go, especially in January. So this feels to me more like a summer deal. Um, you know, he's a he's a 21-year-old midfielder with lots of potential. Uh, he has come out and spoken about his future because, of course, he's changed agents recently. And that's sparked a lot of this. There's been a lot of discussion around what that change in representation will mean for Moises Caicedo. Uh, and he says, I'm focused on Brighton. I am here. I'm playing every day. Things from the outside don't trouble me, nor does it take that focus away because I'm focused only on here and I'll handle the speculation well. Um, you hear rumours here and there, but I only try to be focused on the club where I am now, the club which opened the doors for me to be playing every single week. Uh, ben Jacobs has reported that Brighton don't want to lose Caicedo mid-season and have already rejected a Chelsea offer. It's going to take something around £75 million plus for anybody to stand a chance of getting him out of the Amex Stadium. So. Again, that kind of feeds into what I was saying. £75 million plus. We know that Arsenal aren't going to spend that in January. Um, you know, Chelsea might because Chelsea just seem to spend whatever they want whenever they want. There don't seem to be any uh, repercussions for that. Nobody ever seems to talk about uh, the financial fair play uh, side of that. And, you know, the I guess the fact that they're obviously they've obviously found some way around it because otherwise, how are they able to spend this type of money? We keep talking about the the way they um they seem to long out contracts, so eight and a half year deals, for example, in order to then spread that transfer fee across the length of that player's contract, offset it against that, and that makes things look better for FFP, from what we understand. But you know, it just seems a little bit fishy to me. But anyway, um, Sko says in the chat, we had it for Mudrick though, Harry. You know what? Yeah, we did have more money available for Mikhailo Mudrik, but that was for a player that, you know, Arsenal were very, very keen on, a player that they'd followed for a very long time. And also, um, that was before Arsenal spent what they spent on Leandro Trossard and before Arsenal spent what they spent on Jakub Kivior. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty certain I'm pretty happy to go out on a limb and say, well, I'm sure as most people would be, that Leandro Trossard does not come into Arsenal Football Club if Arsenal sign Mikhailo Mudrik. So, yeah, we had that money then, but we've severely dented uh, those funds, obviously, by bringing in Leandro Trossard and uh, Jakub Kivior, whose uh, signing was announced yesterday. We'll come on to him in a minute. Um, what do I think about Moises Caicedo? He's a player I really, really like. Uh, just 21 years old. He's got an incredibly high ceiling. Um has made 18 Premier League appearances so far this season, which for a 21-year-old is is pretty cool. If you have a look at Moises Caicedo's heat map, which I took a peek at uh, just before I went live on this show, he's he gets all over the place. You know, he covers so much ground. He's incredibly mobile. But I think what impresses people the most about Moises Caicedo, apart from being a workhorse, is that he's incredibly talented on the ball and he's incredibly talented with the ball at his feet. And to be able to find someone that can do both of those things is very rare. I mean, the last central midfielder, I would say, that was as mobile as Caicedo, but also technically secure in the Premier League is probably a, a goal, N'Golo Kante at his absolute peak. He's not there anymore. We know that. Injuries have 
seen that, you know, that is no longer the case with N'Golo Kante. But the point I'm trying to make is that the last time I saw a Premier League midfielder that was that much of an all-rounder, like people will probably say, well, why haven't you included Thomas Partey in that? Because I don't think Thomas Partey is as athletic as N'Golo Kante at his absolute prime. But I think Thomas Partey is a much better footballer, much better technically, much cleverer footballer, I would say, in terms of the way he manages to intercept the ball by cutting out passing lanes, the way he progresses the ball. And I think, obviously, some of that has come from Mikel Arteta as well. You know, Thomas Partey was a great player in his own right before he arrived at Arsenal Football Club. But this ball progression thing that is a massive characteristic of the Arsenal side, I think some of that is down to to Mikel Arteta and his coaching staff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not including Thomas Partey in that comparison, as I say, because I don't think he's as mobile doesn't work as hard, doesn't run as much, doesn't cover as much ground as N'Golo Kante. That's not a slate on him or a slant on him, but obviously N'Golo Kante was exceptional um, in his sort of prime at doing that, but also impacting the game from on the ball as well. So, yeah, um, I think this guy's got an incredibly high ceiling, but as Ben Jacobs says, Brighton are reluctant to sell in this window. A big, huge amount of money might change that, as money normally does. Um, But, yeah, it feels very much like a summer deal. And then I sit and I think to myself, well, it's all good talking about the summer. We've heard about Moises Caicedo. We've heard about Declan Rice in recent weeks. You know, that could be a a deal that Arsenal potentially explore in the summer. And no matter how much I like these players, no matter how much I like Caicedo, no matter how well I think or don't think that Declan Rice would fit into this midfield, I keep coming back to the same point. Can Arsenal actually afford to not reinforce that midfield? and wait until the summer? And the answer is, for me, no. That's my biggest worry, my biggest fear, my biggest concern uh, around what remains for the rest of the season. You look at that back line, if we lost a player, if we lost a couple of players, you feel like we could cope. Okay, maybe we don't play to the same standard, but you feel like we can cope. You know, you look at the fact that Trossard's coming and looks like a a ready-made player who can help us in the here and now. Great, happy days. So would it be the end of the world if we lost one of our wide players? It would be a blow, obviously, but you feel like we're equipped to cover that. You know, we lost, um, you know, we lost Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah has stepped up to the plate. That was one of the areas I think people felt we couldn't afford to lose our star man. We've lost him and Eddie Nketiah has stepped up. So sometimes in football, you can be surprised and, and you can be pleasantly surprised. But ultimately, the question in my mind right now is, can Arsenal afford to allow the opportunity to bring in another midfielder that can backfield Thomas Partey to a higher level than those we already have. Can Arsenal afford to let that opportunity pass them by, given their position, given what they're now playing for? I don't think they can. And I will be disappointed and frustrated if they don't. Now, there's only so much you can moan. There's only so much you can whinge. There's only so much you can complain about when Arsenal are sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League, at the halfway stage, having accumulated 50 points. There's only so much you can complain about, as I say. But it will be a disappointment for me if we don't if we don't manage to get a midfielder. And it can be a short-term fix. It can be a loan deal. It can be someone on a relatively low-value contract that maybe in 12 months' time won't be fit for purpose anymore and we'll have to move on from. It could be someone just to kind of take up that slot uh, in the absence of, um, of um, you know, Thomas Partey, uh, you know, when we, when we are without him, which at some point you feel like could happen. But anyway, 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried about that position. I'm stressed about that position. I don't really know what to make of, um, of the fact that it looks like we're not close to doing anything in that midfield area. Again, don't want to stick the boot in on the club. Don't want to complain about Mikel Arteta or Edu or anything that they've done because I think they're doing a cracking job uh, so far. But it is an area of concern for me. Now, going back to Jakub Kivio, who we're going to talk about now, he, for me, is someone that I like. And, and having looked into him more and more over the last few days, you know, appeals to me more and more. But the question is here is that, you know, Jakub Kivior is a left-sided centre-back. I think, as I've said to you guys before, we we probably knew that that was on the agenda somewhere down the line. We knew that having let Pablo Marie go out and, and with the likelihood of him coming back being really low, um, you know, you sit there and you think, you know, you sit there and you think, well, we, we, we could do with a left-sided centre-back. But I didn't think that that was something that we needed to do today or now. I thought it was something that we'd... Uh, we'd probably address in the summer. So if we've prioritised that over a midfielder, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, I know that sometimes you have to react to opportunities that present themselves. So there was obviously an opportunity to bring Kivior in now. Um, and, and Arsenal took that opportunity. And, and that means he's got the remainder of the season to kind of settle in and then be able to help us from the off next season. But it, yeah, it just feels to me like... Um, yeah, it just feels to me like... Um, it could have waited. Not to say I'm not happy with his arrival. I just don't think it was a priority ahead of a midfield signing, my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> honestly, can I can I just say, like, who on earth is impersonating Charles Watts in the chat? Um, Charles is a lovely man, a uh, great journalist, great guy. Um, but I know that's not you, Charles, because uh, I've clicked on the profile and you've got no videos, whereas Charles Watts has a absolutely banging YouTube channel. Uh, so yeah. Um, why would you impersonate? Uh, yeah. Anyway, strange. Uh, okay. Um, Jakub Kivior, uh, obviously gave his first interview, uh, to the club yesterday, having officially been announced yesterday evening. He's spoken of how pleased he uh, was to hear of Arsenal's interest was asked to describe himself and, and said from the off, you know, I'm not very good at talking about myself as, a lot of people, you know, aren't. I, I struggle with that. People ask me questions about me and I, I struggle a little bit with it. Um, you kind of want other people to talk about you and your work. You don't want to be talking about it yourself. Um, but he described himself as, as quite quick for a centre-back. Uh, he said that he loves passing and he's very interested in being part of a team that builds up with pass, passing and movement. And that says to me that he's probably going to be a really, really good fit, um, given the number 15 shirt. Uh, also uh, was at the game, of course, as we mentioned on Sunday against Manchester United. Now, obviously, he played no part and he was sitting in the stands and it was all a little bit like the world's worst kept secret. You know, you know, he's here, uh, you know, he's pretty much signed, but we can't really go crazy about it until the um, the announcement is made. Um but I mean, what a, what a time, what a day to come down to the Emirates Stadium for the first time, to come and sit there and watch this Arsenal team go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Manchester United and, and sort of beat the shit out of each other in footballing terms. Um, 
and then Arsenal go on and nick it. And to not just experience such a great game and, and how resilient this team are and, and how great they are on the eye and all of that, but to experience, A, the Premier League in all its glory, you know, the greatest, oldest rivalry of the Premier League era in terms of two sides actually competing at the top of the table, um, two sides that are back on the up, um, back moving in the right direction. And then the atmosphere that he will have experienced inside that stadium was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it really, really was one of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced at Emirates, if not the best. Uh, so as I say, great day for him to come down and a great day for him to experience that. And then obviously... Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The next day the announcement came. So as I've said, I don't want anybody to think that I'm not happy with the signing of Jakub Kivior. Uh, I've looked into him quite a bit over the last few days. As I say, I've spoken to various people and everybody tells me that he's a really exciting prospect. I just wonder if we needed to do that more urgently than bringing in the midfielder that I personally believe we really, really need. Um, speaking of another transfer target who isn't a central midfielder, we're going to talk about Ivan Fresneda, um, the young fullback who currently plays for Valladolid. Uh, apparently, Arsenal and Dortmund have both agreed uh, a deal with Valladolid to take the player away. The idea behind this from Arsenal's point of view is that we would sign the player in January now that the deal would be completed, but he would be loaned back to Valladolid for the remainder of the season where he's going to play. And that makes sense, right? I've said all along when these links emerge that this is only going to be one for the future. And then it came to light that the loan thing was was a thing. And, and so that makes even more sense. But when you think about what we have at right back, we have Tommy Asu. Um, we have uh, Ben White, who's been superb in that position, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Cedric Suarez at the time of recording this is still an Arsenal player, so he's not gone anywhere yet. We are stacked at right back. We really, really are. So it makes sense that if you're going to bring this guy in, that you do allow him to gain that further six months experience or whatever, uh, playing where he's comfortable because, you know, he's going to have a fight to get into the team afterwards. What I have found interesting about this link, though, and about this potential transfer is that when I think about what Mikel Arteta has preferred at right back in terms of what fits into this current system, I'm not sure how I how I can see where Ivan Fresneda fits. OK, so I'll explain what I mean. So, Mikel Arteta, when he arrived at the club, uh, very quickly, um, you know, made it clear that in his opinion, in his mind, he wanted his fullbacks to to drift in field. He wanted them to tuck in and play that inverted role. Now, what he's done over time is move away from your orthodox right back. You know, your kind of mid-level height, quite quick, sharp fullback who likes to get forward, likes to cross the ball in. I'm not saying Cedric is the ideal one, but Cedric style type fullback. He's moved away from that. And on the right side, he's looked to play with um, 
essentially centre-backs, right? So Takahiro Tomiyasu was a centre-back prior to his arrival at Arsenal. Ben White, centre-back. What these guys have is obviously an ability to play at right-back, but they have the characteristics of a centre-back. And that helps when Arsenal's game model is in, is in play, right? Is in process. So when... When Arsenal shift over to the left-hand side for Zinchenko to step into midfield, it relies on the right-sided defender tucking inside like a centre-back. And that's partly why Mikel Arteta feels that Ben White and Tomiyasu are such a good fit for that. It's partly why Hector Bellerin, I think, didn't succeed under Mikel Arteta here. Because of the characteristics that he normally demands from a right-back, a lot of them are more aligned with that of a centre-back than of a traditional right-back that we've become accustomed to over the years. So when I look at Ivan Fresneda, I see more of an orthodox right-back. Now, I, I've got to say that I'm not coming at this from uh, a position of expert knowledge. I'm not saying I've watched loads of Ivan Fresneda and that I know the ins and outs of him and, and understand uh, all the kind of nuances of his game. What I am saying, though, is that I've seen him... Uh, play a couple of times. I have uh, looked at some compilations, some clips, sort of try to read between the lines of some of the statistics, etc., etc. And he seems to me to be more of a orthodox right back. So I'm interested that Mikel Arteta has looked at that and gone, yep, yeah, that's the guy for me. Does he think that Ivan Fresneda has the raw capabilities to convert into a fullback that is more in the mould of what Mikel Arteta wants and likes? Maybe. And that might be uh, why he's looking at him. But yeah, bit of a strange one for me. But it feels like one that Arsenal are really working hard to do. You know, Dortmund in the mix as well, as we said. I just wonder if this is dependent on Cedric moving. I know that Cedric is going to move on anyway at some point. The question is just whether it's going to be now, whether it's going to be in the summer. Um, you know, he's been very, very limited in his game time this season. So understandably, he wants out as well. But um you know, if, if Cedric does stay at the football club until the end of the season, does that mean that Ivan Fresneda cannot be signed now? Are we dependent on moving Cedric on before the summer to get this done? Or can we do it and say, look, Cedric's going to go at the end of the season anyway? That's that's the question for me. But it feels like something is kind of holding this up. Something is stalling this a little bit. Maybe it's Dortmund's interest and we're having to convince Ivan Fresneda of not the fact that Arsenal are a bigger club than Dortmund or a, a more attractive prospect playing in a better league and all of that jazz. But probably we have to convince him that there is a pathway at Arsenal for him to continue his development. Whereas at Dortmund, he probably feels like there's a much clearer path towards the first team and to play him regularly. So I, I'd say that probably that and, and the Cedric situation are probably the two things holding this up. Want to talk Granit Xhaka just quickly. Uh, Granit Xhaka named the Swiss Player of the Year. Congratulations to him uh, for that. Uh, he's been fantastic of late, hasn't he? He's been excellent. He's been superb. Uh, fully, fully deserved. So congratulations to Granit Xhaka on that achievement. And I just quickly wanted to touch on Mikel Arteta before we go into questions. We will take questions. We'll do like 10 or so minutes solely on questions. So start getting them in the chat. Um, but I just wanted to touch on the ongoing debate around Mikel Arteta's behaviour. My God, when did everybody become such snowflakes? Like, when did everybody become so soft? And when, when did everybody decide, because I must have been asleep, when did everybody decide that 
we no longer want to see any passion in football and we only want to see robots on the touchline. It is driving me absolutely insane. And I honestly believe that Mikel Arteta doesn't get booked at the weekend against Manchester United if this conversation wasn't a thing. I really do feel like this conversation constantly being brought up and constantly being recycled by news outlets that have nothing better to talk about is having a diverse impact on our team and on our manager and on the way we are viewed as a football club and on the way our manager is viewed. I saw this article, right, going out today. Hold on. Um, when, one second. Uh, I'm just searching for it online. Yeah. Listen to this, right? At football 365, an article was published earlier on today by, I'm just trying to find the name of, of whoever published it, whoever wrote it. Will Ford. Okay, I don't know Will. Don't know anything about the guy. You're really nice. Not looking to dig him out or anything, but he's put an article out that has gone quite viral based on what I can see. And this is the title of it. I really, really don't like Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta, and I don't really know why. What? What kind of article title is that? I really, really don't like Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta, and I don't know why. Well, if you don't know why, should you be writing an article winding people up about Mikel Arteta? Or should you actually try and work out why it is you don't like him and then put together a constructive piece that explains those reasons? And then maybe, you know, some people would disagree, but some people will agree. To me, that, I, I, I mean, it must be a slow news day, is what I'll say to that. I really, really don't like Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta, and I don't know why. That's an actual title of an actual article that has been published. <laughs> slow news day, as I say, surely. It's got to be. Crazy, crazy article. That's uh, all right. And I uh, don't wish to wind it up, but there will be Arsenal fans not happy about that. I mean... What are you trying to get a Christmas card from Richard Keys or something? Like I, I don't understand. Don't understand. Um somebody says it could be satirical. It is um let me read you a few lines from it. This is how it starts. As is the case with peanut butter, I can't put into words my intense disliking of the Arsenal manager. I like peanuts, I like butter, I love spreading things on toast, but I hate Mikel Arteta. You start in the first paragraph with i hate Mikel arteta it's a bit strong in it he says to be clear i don't wish ill of him so then you don't hate him i really enjoy watching arsenal and what he's done to the team and squad is absolutely magnificent he's clearly a very good football manager and actually i'm writing this because i know the feeling is irrational i feel like i should like Mikel arteta but i really really don't it's taking him three paragraphs to mention this idiot as well i know i'm not alone in this with richard keys as our overlord we are teta haters scoff at his bluntness in press conferences, shake our heads at his touchline jigs, pray the TV cameras don't pan to him embracing Albert Stoivenberg after Arsenal score and side with opposition managers in touchline altercations, no matter their comparative atrocities. What? What are you on about? What are you on about? 
Oh my God. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Let's get some of your questions uh, and thoughts in the live chat and we'll work through as many of those as we possibly can. Um, Steve said, if Mikel Arteta got a yellow for that, why was Bruno still on the pitch? Completely agree. Um, completely agree. Uh, Peeny Ween says, does us having lost one game help actually help us handle the pressure? As Had we still been unbeaten, that would be the narrative and Alex should stress yeah, I, I think, yeah, you know, you if you show that you're fallible, if you show that you can be beaten, then obviously the pressure to win every single game uh, becomes less. And when that pressure is less, I think it's better for the athletes involved. So, yeah, I, I, I do. Simple answer to that one. Yeah, I think that had we been unbeaten, that would be another bit of pressure that we'd have to deal with. And, and obviously not having to deal with that is a positive um big thanks to uh joe for your kind words uh on the sky sports appearance today thank you so so much mate uh really really appreciate it uh ellie says uh ellie or eli uh hi big h if we're still in pole position come the start of the europa league would you feel the weakened teams i think that would kind of depend on the draw for me as well um let's see who we get you know we might be able to get through the next round with i'm not going to say a completely weakened team but maybe with giving a couple of key players uh, a rest and a, and a break uh, and just shaking things up a little bit. But again, I think we've got to just, uh, the Europa League doesn't start again until March, if I'm not mistaken. So we kind of just, for me, put that to one side, forget about that. Um, obviously we're not in the round of, uh, of 32 uh, because uh, we managed to win the group. So put that to one side, forget about that. Let's see where we are when the Europa League returns and then we can make that decision then. I, I think it's too early to be prioritising and branching off one way or the other. Uh, my good friend Harry says, uh, funny you say that. I had three different people tell me that Arteta's behaviour is disgusting. I'm like, explain more and they can't. The conclusion is that people are just hating that we are moving forward. Hashtag stick together. Yeah, I said this on um, on one of the recent shows. It might have been the one after the Man United game. I said, we got to stick together. You know, we got to highlight when there's those inconsistencies. We got to make sure that we highlight the fact that other managers and other people in and around the game seem to get away with the very same things that Mikel Arteta is uh, is criticised for, blamed for. Um, I think that's a really valid point, and it is because we're relevant. And I think I don't know if anybody saw Simon Jordan's comment on this on um, Talk Sport yesterday. There was a clip going round of him saying, look, everybody else does the same thing. Like, why don't we come down as hard on others who have also uh, shown similar behavioural traits when they've been under pressure or when things have got difficult? Why are we so quick to jump on Mikel Arteta but not on the others? And um, uh, Sko pointed out exactly what Simon Jordan said. He said, it's because he's a Johnny come lately. The reality is that Arteta is humble and likeable and doing a phenomenal job. And it's brought so many people together. So it's the journalist's issue. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Deepak says, Harry, will you be confident and say Arsenal will win the league if we go ahead and beat City uh, on February 15th? Or even that, is it too early? I wouldn't go as far as saying that I'd be fully confident, but I would be more confident for sure uh, if we could, of course, um, beat Manchester City and, and extend that gap by a further three points. Like people keep saying to me, I've, I've been arguing this a little bit this morning with some some friends in a WhatsApp group. People have been saying to me, 
What are you stressing about, man? Arsenal are eight points clear. Arsenal are eight points clear at the top of the league. Well, we're not. We're five points clear. And then they go, well, you got a game in hand. Okay, got a game in hand. That game in hand doesn't mean shit if you don't win it. So it's factually incorrect to say that we have an eight-point advantage. We could have an eight-point advantage if we win that game in hand. But at this moment in time, we have a five-point advantage because those additional points, they're not on the board yet. And so that's a prime example of people getting carried away. And we can't afford to get carried away at this moment in time. There is a long, long way to go. I know I keep saying this. I know I keep pointing to this. But had this been a regular season where there wasn't a World Cup break slap bang in the middle of it, we would have been much further along. We might have been 25, 26 games in. And at that point, I might have been able to say, okay, you know, at the end of January, we're in a great position. But I think because of the fact that this season provides us a little bit of a red herring in terms of where we're actually at, I think we still need to stay cautious. What else have we got? Um, what else have we got? Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, big shout out to DJ Funksy. Uh, thank you so much, man. Hope you're well. Hope you're good. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, Nexus says, hello, Harry. Do you feel if someone has an opinion that's not aligned with everyone, do you feel people have the right to criticize their opinion? Yeah, I, I do. I feel like we've got to this place in the world, generally speaking now, where people are afraid of conflict. Now, conflict can be an argument, right? Conflict can be a difference of opinion. It doesn't have to ever boil over or spill over into anything more. Like I have conflict with my brothers. We argue about stuff that we have different opinions on. Doesn't mean I want to punch them. Doesn't mean that, um, you know, I dislike them or I love them any less or I have less respect for them, but it's just the way it is. People have differences of opinions. I think you should be able to challenge people's opinions without people being so soft and so um, fragile about it. Like that, that's honestly my opinion. Like I, I genuinely feel that way. I think good, strong debate is healthy um, for everybody involved. You know, I think you you should be able to question opinions and equally you should allow people to question yours because if you allow them to question yours and you still believe yours, then that means your opinion is built on a much stronger foundation uh, because even when challenged, even when it was put to you um, that maybe you're wrong and even when the other side of that particular argument is put to you, if you still believe your opinion and very much feel it's the right one, then obviously you believe it properly and strongly. So, yeah, challenge each other by all means. Do it respectfully, of course. But, yeah, challenge opinions. Why not? Uh, Adair says, uh, with the need to address the midfield, what are your thoughts on the Western McKenney rumours? Um, I'm not a big fan of Western McKenney. I never have been. And I feel like because of what's going on at Juventus, at the moment, it, this is a story that's going to be pushed on us. I'm sure that there are so, so many um, players within that football club right now that are thinking about their futures, are thinking about the fact that Juventus don't have or won't have Champions League football next season if this 15-point deduction is put into place and are angling for moves away. You know, could we even see more fallout from this whole Juventus situation? It leads to even more severe punishment that impacts on those players even more. 
It feels like a lot of these players now are going to try and manoeuvre their way out of Juventus Football Club. Weston McKenney has been linked with Arsenal time and time again, but for me, he's never been at the top of my list. I, I, I just don't rate the guy. I, I don't. I'm sorry. Like, I think he's okay. Um, I think there are elements to his game that, you know, would, would be good to have. I think he's quite combative. Um, I like the way he works. Don't really rate him technically, and I don't think he'd be able to give us the progressive passing that we need in midfield. And I don't think he's a sophisticated enough footballer, with all due respect, to fit into this system that Mikel Arteta has, has implemented and that we're obviously now reaping the rewards from. So, no, uh, not for me. Not for me. Um, and he's been linked with, as someone points out in the chat, the likes of Leeds and various other sort of lower level Premier League clubs, um, which suggests to me that his level is is there more than or is closer to that than it is. Um, right at the top of the Premier League. Okay. I think I'm going to leave it there. I think I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all uh, so, so much for tuning in. Um, really, really appreciate your input as always. Uh, I will uh, catch you all very, very soon. We'll be back uh, tomorrow uh, with some more Arsenal-related content. We'll be back on Thursday as well with a show uh, from the 90 Min studio. So, yeah, lots of content to come your way. We'll bring you some content on Friday uh, following the Manchester City game. And on Saturday, we'll review that game in full as well. So, yeah, lots and lots to come. Uh, don't forget to check out the membership proposition over on another slice. Don't forget to leave a like on this video and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, we've got well over 400 of you with us right now, but we've only got 132 likes on the board. Let's try and get that up to a couple of hundred by the time we say our farewells. I'll see you all soon. Until the next one, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.